Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery and addiction topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The views expressed here are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Welcome back. It's recovery, sort of. I'm Jason. I'm a guy in long-term recovery. I'm Billy. I'm also a person in long-term recovery. And uh, in a few minutes here, we're going to get talking to Josh from the Celebrate Recovery Program so that we can learn more about that in case that happens to be, you know, maybe an alternative mode to recovery that somebody might get something out of. Uh, Maybe, you know, you're sitting at home and you're like, well, I've heard about that and it sounds interesting and, and, and I like Jesus, but I just don't know if it's for me and I'm a little nervous about checking it out. Maybe they're weird. And so we'll find out some information and maybe uh, maybe that'll inspire people to you know check it out. Um, one of the things we did want to catch up on before we get to that, we had mentioned the presidential stances uh, last week. And, you know, one of our listeners sent me an email with a link to a policy that the president signed into action last year, which was like $1.8 billion towards uh, making drug you know, therapies more available, whether that be MATs, whether that be some kind of rehab or detox. Um, and so it was very unclear in the article whether this was something that was done by Congress and he just signed it. It definitely leaned towards giving him credit for doing it. So I, I wasn't sure if it was just something he did out of nowhere or if Congress passed it and he you know, signed it as presidents do. Um, so I did just a little more search and just for the heck of it, because I thought, well, what I had looked for originally was the stances for this, you know, presidential election. election. Right. And so I looked more at like 2016 and what he's done. And so in 2016, the opioid crisis was a bigger deal. There wasn't COVID going on or, or race relations like he had mentioned it. It was important. He was going to solve it. Um, and he has done some things like the $1.8 billion, um, But basically what the numbers say is that it really hasn't gone down to priests 2016 levels as of yet. And of course, you know, policy change takes time to trickle down and actually show in numbers. Um, so who knows about that? But he, he has made some steps. I would say the big difference probably with the new information being that while he's provided money to to these type of things, he hasn't addressed really, you know, the criminalization of drugs or, or what we do with people when we catch them in possession or any of the other issues that go on that, that you know, Joe Biden talked about going after the pharmaceutical companies, maybe in some roundabout ways, he's, you know, sort of attempted to address it, but that doesn't seem to be his main focus. He kind of had a, we'll deal with it this one way, whereas, I guess Biden's stance was, you know, we'll go these variety of ways and hopefully the culmination of that will result in something good. So I just wanted to add that correction. 
Uh, do you have any thoughts on any of that? No, only that, you know, when we look at addiction and, and I don't want to take sides, but it's maybe Biden's a little closer on the mark in that it's the, it's a societal problem. Like when you just focus money into treatment, you're really not addressing the cause of the problem. You're just addressing the problem after the fact. Right. Like, and this is a problem in our whole healthcare system now. Like our, our healthcare system now addresses problems after you have them, not before. It's like we don't have great, you know, education or teaching on like healthy eating, healthy living. I mean, you can find it now online more than ever. But like when you go to your doctor for a for a checkup and he says you have high blood pressure, it's like, well, you could eat better or just take this medicine and you'll be fine. And then you're just addressing, you know, the symptoms of the problems, not the actual cause of the problems themselves. Um, and I think that's when we not that treatment doesn't work and that treatment is a great option, um, but is doing PR work like I've done PR work for, you know, our fellowship going into talking to like high schools and things like that. And what they always want to know is, all right, well, how do we prevent kids from getting into this stuff? Right. And of course our stance is why well, I don't really know, you know, we don't address prevention. We just address, right. you know, people that already have a problem. We're not prevention, you know, <laughs> and, and I think more uh, research and more efforts need to go towards prevention measures and, you know, peer, peer efforts into like high schools and colleges and, and, getting people younger um, to to look at some of these issues before they get to the state of being addicts at 16, 17 years old. Somebody just asked me the other day uh, in a message, they were like, what, how old were you when you got clean? Uh, you know, I have a youth meeting I wanted you to do. And I was like, well, I got clean at 23, but I don't think youth want to hear from me and me getting clean at 23. <laughs> right. Like they want a guy who's 25 and has 18 months. Like that's, yeah. Who they can identify with. I'm just some old dude now. Right. I'm not the youth in recovery anymore. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. For an enterprising young individual uh, who would like to, we need Prevention Anonymous to, <laughs> yeah. you know, figure that side of the, the street out because we have no idea in our program what to do with that. Um, and just say no didn't work in case you weren't around for the 80s. They tried that under yeah. Nancy Reagan and it was a colossal failure. We lost the war. <laughs> yeah. We lost the war on drugs, for sure. Um, so uh, Billy and I got to attend a, a unity retreat, which was fantastic this last weekend. It's, uh, I know in the age of coronavirus, everything has been canceled, events and, and such. And so to see one that still went on, it was you know mostly outdoors and seemed relatively safe. I can't say that everybody there was overly concerned about being safe. Uh, I did my best. And enjoyed myself greatly and i got this awesome t-shirt that says xiv on the front which is to me the most ideal roman numeral for any drug addict <laughs> xiv um so my daughter and i were riding home yesterday and and there was a turtle in the road so we stopped to move the turtle out of the road because it just seems like the right thing to do i don't know why um and he was feisty. He scratched me, little bastard. Uh, he was strong, too. I was yeah. impressed how strong they are. So I, I took him and I moved him off the road. And, you know, some guy had started to ride by and, and he stopped and asked if I was all right. And I just thought that was incredibly nice. Like, I 
don't know that I would get that in the city where I come from. Huh. But out here, it was like, yeah, man, it's no, it's not car troubles or nothing. We were just moving the turtle. Uh, but it, it seemed nice. It seemed nice. And then I got to overthinking my good deed because I actually picked the turtle up and turned him around and moved him back to the side he was closer to. I should have crossed the road with him. That's what he was trying to <laughs> yeah. do, right? So right now he's like, fuck, and he's got to turn and right. do it again. <laughs> right. I just doubled his time yeah. in the road, actually, is what I did. Fuck. So I don't think I, I helped out that much, but I don't know. I just, I was really impressed that people, I've noticed that a lot since I moved up here. I, I talk about, you know, maybe the sentiment or the beliefs of people around here, but on an individual interaction basis, people seem much more willing to go out of their way to be kind. They'll wave to you when they drive by on your street and they'll stop and make sure your car is not broken down. If, you know, if you're on a road and, and that just, I like that. That's nice. Yeah. And, and I generally am the optimistic when it comes to people. I think, you know, I think of people in their best nature. Um, and I read a sort of, I guess it was like not a meme, but like a little saying the other day on the internet somewhere that said, you know, and I'm going to mess it up, but I'll get it the sentiment kind of right. It was like we are currently in a state where we get a lot of uh, misinformation, half information and half truths um, or blatant dishonesty from this box that we stare at every day. And that it seems like this box is focused more on um, division or divisiveness than unifying people. And it was like, wow, that's a really, I think, a really true statement. It's like if we get down in the weeds of, you know, whether you agree with abortion or not, or whether you are a Democrat or a Republican, or whether you, you know, support uh, gay rights or not, like that shit, you know, not that it's not important, but, it's, and it's almost like we've talked about, if, it, if you go back to a time when people are just people and you don't need to know those things about them before you decide how you're going to treat them, like that's a better state to live in than like, oh, wait, what are your political stances? What kind of bumper sticker do you got on your car? Well, I can't help you because you're the other team mm -hmm. and, and you're an asshole. <laughs> you know, like it's like, no, can't we just treat people like people and, and love and care about them and try to help them mm -hmm. despite their political views or religious beliefs or any of that stuff? Yeah, I I would say one of the things I forget greatly because I can have a doom and gloom version of the world. And I, I definitely blame my father for a lot of that, uh, whether he passed it genetically or, you know, through nurture. I definitely picked up on it. Um, but one of one of the things that I quickly forget when I feel like we're so separated and we're so different and we're so angry at each other is the entire, you know, we've talked about it before, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like in order for us to be down here arguing about uh, abortion or gun rights or anything else, or I guess up here, to, according to Matt, <laughs> yeah. uh, we've met so many basic needs and agreements between us all. Right. Like, right. so really, we're disagreeing on the, the 98th issue. But the first 97, we ignore that we all already agree on. Like, right. we've all been able to, well, unfortunately, not universally, but a lot of us have food and clothing and shelter, right? Not everybody, which is unfortunate because those kind of things should be addressed first before we get to these other luxury matters. Um, but just as a society in general, we, we have met so many things and done so many things well together that we can get to these minor arguments, which I know don't feel minor for people who, who feel like their civil rights are being, you know, trodden on. I, I completely understand that and respect that. Uh, 
that part of it. I'm not trying to downplay that at all. I guess I'm just saying that, that you're right. We, we agree on way more than we disagree on. And if we could just sit down, it's almost like when you feel shitty about your life and you write a gratitude list. And you're like, fuck, man, it was so easy to come up with 10 things that I'm really grateful for in my life. Like this <laughs> yeah. minor situation that I was miserable about five minutes ago doesn't seem to weigh out. And I think if we sat down and listed all the things that generally all people universally agree on for the most part, we'd be like, fuck, look at this long ass list. Like, this is how much we have in common. And we're arguing over here and calling ourselves hating each other and shooting each other like what in the hell? Yeah, and it's weird. I see it in my own family, like I'll specifically in like my dad. So my dad is a, a pretty loving and caring person. He's always been a good father, took care of us, provided for us well. You know, if I called him up today and said, Dad, I need help, whatever, with the kids or doing it, he would show right up and help. Um, he's participated in different charity things, you know, to support the recovery community, things my wife's organization's done and stuff. And, and he's just, he's a, kind generally nice good person he's not a racist he's not a bigot he's not a chauvinist you know he's none of those things but if you just looked at his facebook page and all his you know he is a, a i have call him a republican like trump supporting shares all the republican memes regurgitates all the republican talking points like if you just judged him off of that you would of course think he's a hate mongering racist you know chauvinistic bigot who doesn't want gay people to get married and all this other stuff and it's like you know i don't know how he meshes those two things in his life and and lives the way that he lives in his actual life and then has all these beliefs i don't understand how that works i can just tell you in general especially like i, I have no problem with him being like around my children or or watching my kids because he's always loving and caring he never says bad words about other people you know it's it's just weird and so if i didn't know that about his political beliefs he's a wonderful human being mm -hmm. <laughs> like, maybe and and that's what i've seen too out of people who who i watch Maybe what they, you know, ingest from TV all day or what they do on Facebook. But yet, whenever I see them interacting one-on-one -on -one with other humans or other people, it's a completely different person than I would expect from what I see them do right? yeah. or, or what I see them watch or, or participate in. And maybe that's it. Maybe it's just that, like, once we're disconnected onto a, a Facebook or, or, like you said, the box, you know, the TV... Maybe it's easier to like have these beliefs because we just, I don't know, maybe we don't have nothing else to do in our lives. I don't know. So I heard in a, in a podcast I was listening to the other day, a guy was talking about how we have like a natural human, what he called a human failing. And maybe it's a survival technique or whatever, is that if you tell someone a story about one child suffering in your neighborhood, oh, this one child, he's starving and his parents don't take care of him. You think, oh, that's terrible. Here, I'll give you $10 to go help that kid. Then if you expand that out to 20 kids, like it's like your level of care goes down a little bit. And then if you expand that to a thousand kids or a million kids, then it's like, oh, that's a tragedy. And you'll turn around and walk away and not think twice about it. It's like, the hmm. this this and it's in all people it's like the the kind of bigger you make things the less connected people feel to that so if you can just present 
one individual people can connect intimately, but when you present it as a whole problem, we have this ability to just blow it all off. Maybe it's just too big to tackle that, right? You feel like you can't affect it at all. I think that's, I mean, we saw this in the psychology for the advertising for, you know, was that Sally Struthers or whatever? She used to have uh, individual stories on the commercials about not just the price of a cup of coffee a day and you could help starving children in Africa, but she would, you know, that's what they did in their advertising. They had individual stories of this individual or that because it made it more human. I guess. Yeah, and then when you sponsored them, you would get their individual story and you'd be able to follow, you know, the kid that you. Sp- and that's why, you know, that's it's something in us that hmm. if you look at addiction as a whole, it's like, well, fuck, what do we do in the country? That's a terrible problem. Whereas if you see it in your individual community, you might feel more inclined to to get involved or try to fix it. Interesting. Is there anything you wanted to catch up on before we do our interview? No. All right. Well, let's go ahead and hit our break and then we'll come right back with Josh and we'll talk about Celebrate Recovery. This episode has been brought to you by Voices of Hope, Inc., a nonprofit grassroots recovery community organization located in Maryland. Voices of Hope is made up of people in recovery, family members, and allies. Together, Members strive to protect the dignity and respect of those that use drugs and those in recovery by advocating for treatment, support resources, and mentoring. Please visit us at www.voicesofhopececilmd.org and consider donating to our cause. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, so we're here with Josh, who is going to tell us about Celebrate Recovery. What I'd like to say about Josh before he takes over a little bit is that he does the Unashamed Recovery podcast, which uh, obviously includes his bit of Celebrate Recovery, which we might refer to as CR throughout this episode because it's a little shorter. Um, He does that from that focus slightly, but includes all kinds of different recovery topics and, and guests on to talk about all that. So feel free to check out the Unashamed Recovery podcast with Josh. And here is Josh, and he's going to tell us a little bit about how he got to the CR program. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> first of all, I struggle with a, a porn and sex addiction, and I've struggled with that all of my life from a little kid. And uh, it, that addiction just kept growing, and it kept growing, and it built through high school. And uh it got even worse in college. And uh, oddly enough, that's when I met my wife <clears throat> through through college. And I always thought that this uh, uh, porn addiction, it would kind of stop whenever I met, you know, when I had a girlfriend or when we got engaged. I thought that my porn addiction would stop when I got engaged or when we got married in 2012. I thought that I would no longer need porn addiction. And uh and it just, it was never the case. And then when we had our first daughter in 2014, you know, I, def- I found myself relying on it more. And all this time I thought that I wouldn't need it at those milestones, but mm-hmm. it was the, the opposite. I was depending on it more and more. And I was just being sucked down this hole. And uh, 
what really got me started on this journey was in 2014. Uh, my daughter, she was about six months old, and we were traveling to go get some Christmas pictures made for some uh, holiday cards. And my wife had my phone, and she was looking at the map for directions. And she found some saved porn on my phone. And she had found those, you know, that before, but this time she was, she was mad and she gave me an ultimatum and I never seen her that mad before. So I took her seriously and I started doing research because I never knew what I had had a name. And I found that my church here in Meridian uh, had a brand new recovery program called Celebrate Recovery. And I was like, you know what? There's no way I can do that. I cannot go to the church that my in-laws go to and share this stuff and these things that I've done. No way. So I kept digging, kept looking, and the only thing that I could find remotely close was a Sex Addicts Anonymous group at Jackson, Mississippi, which is about an hour and a half drive from my house. But I did that for about six months. And, you know, I was in that denial mindset. So I was like, you know what? I'm not like those people. You know, that, those people need help. Those, <laughs> you know, those are weird people. Uh, you know, I was, I, I was, I didn't see myself as those kind of people, but I was. I was just in denial. And so I wasn't going into it with a good mindset. I was closed off. I would sit there with my arms crossed and I wouldn't share. I wasn't working the program. Uh, I was looking for any excuse not to find, you know, to work it. And eventually I just stopped going. And probably around April, April or May of 2015, uh, our church, our pastor had just passed away. And so we had a series of interim pastors come in. And every Sunday for six straight weeks, they talked about Celebrate Recovery. Every Sunday. And I was like, on that sixth Sunday, I was like, all right, God, I get it. <laughs> and that next night, I showed up for Celebrate Recovery. Uh, and, man, I was terrified because, like I said, that church is – that that's my in-law's church. I, uh, I started going there because that's my wife's church. And, uh, man, I, I was terrified because I didn't know what I was showing up to. I didn't know what to expect. I, I was – man, I was looking for hope, and uh, I was I was desperate for it. So I was looking anywhere for it. And so I just, I showed up full of fear and uh, just didn't know what to expect. So that's pretty much how I found Celebrate Recovery. Man, there's something, and, and I will say that, uh, you know, a commonality for sure of the start of your recovery to just that, that place of humility it takes, right? For you to be able to go to the same church your in-laws go to for help for something that you're, you know, probably shame and guilt around and don't want yes. people to know about. It takes that, like that level of humility to really find recovery, at least for a lot of people, um, yeah. myself included. So, so now that you're there and, and, uh, you know, CR obviously helps people with any kind of obsessive and compulsive behavior according to their, their steps. So what, how would you in, you know, brief terms, obviously, cause it's a huge program, explain the program to us. Okay, so in uh, the very basic terminology I can, I can give it to is uh, Celebrate Recovery is a Christ-centered 
uh, 12-step program and how they, uh, I'm gonna, I hate using this word, but how they market this is that it, this program is for anybody struggling with life's hurts, habits, and hangups. Hmm. Uh, you know, with Alcoholics Anonymous, it's pretty much cut and dry for alcoholics. Right. Uh, with NA, it's pretty much cut and dry for people dealing with narcotics. Uh, with Sex Addicts Anonymous, it's pretty much cut and dry for people dealing with sex addiction. With Celebrate Recovery, it's with any and everything. The program applies to a whole wide range of things. And, um, you know, a big misconception is like a lot of people in our church, they think that this program is for alcoholics and uh, substance abusers. Actually, only one and let's see, three out of 10 people are there for alcoholic or substance abuse addiction. Everybody else is there dealing with something else, whether it be a porn addiction like myself, uh, anger, anxiety, uh, food addiction. Uh, we got some people working on uh, grief. We've got some people that's working on PTSD. Uh, just a wide range. If it's holding you down and it has got a control of your mind, Celebrate Recovery works for that. Like it takes the 12 steps and it applies it to all those different uh, uh, habits and addictions and hangups. And it puts it through the filter of Jesus Christ is our higher power. That's so interesting because I know in our program, frequently we talk about how, uh, you know, they need to have like an, uh, pardon my language here, but assholes anonymous that just basically is for everybody, you know, because everybody needs a 12 step program. And, and I guess as long as, you know, uh, you're of the Christian belief system, that's kind of what your program sounds like. It seems a little more versatile than just focused on any one thing. Like anybody who's got hurts or hangups can come. I, I like that terminology, honestly. Yes. Uh, and that's what kind of really brought me in was, uh, you know, I'm sitting in the same small group circle across from a guy who's sitting there struggling with, uh, let's just say a gambling addiction. And I'm sitting there with my porn addiction. And then there's another guy sitting across from me who's dealing with coming back home from being in Afghanistan, dealing with PTSD. It's all different. All three of our stories are nowhere near the same, but when we sit there and we share, I'm going to pick up from those other two guys about stuff that I can relate to my own life. You know, straight up, I, I can't tell you anything about PTSD. I've never dealt with that. But whenever I listen to his story or he listens to my story, it's still the same struggle. Like we can relate on a basic principle of, hey, you're dealing with something that, you know, when you wake up in the morning, I mean, that's, it's got a hold of your mind. And that's all that you can think about is that. I got that. I can relate to that. And so you sit there and you hear somebody else's story of what they're struggling with, and it helps in your own struggle. And, and that's what I really love about it is all these different uh, hurts, habits, and hangups coming together in one, in one group. That's awesome. Did you have something? There? Well, I was just curious. So then Celebrate Recovery doesn't specifically focus – and again, I'm trying to relate this mostly to my experience with yeah. 12 Step Fellowship. So I guess in, in your case or someone with a food addiction, it wouldn't be necessarily abstinence-based program. Like if, if you're not dealing with those issues, then like. So, and it's hard for something like that because like with me, I can measure mine because, you know, it's the amount of time I'm putting put between 
today and the last time I, you know, looked at or acted out on pornography. And so with the food addiction or something like that, it's tricky because, hey, people's got to eat. All right. <laughs> uh, but, you know, from the people that I've talked with and that I've, you know, shared with this, a lot of them, they base it off of that time where, yeah, I'm going to eat my normal meals. But if I'm, if I'm that type of person where I'm eating out of emotion or that I go and I binge eat or they measure it against those times that when they're not doing that, you know, versus just, oh, I can't eat no more. They right. don't do it like that. Right. Uh, and, you know, with somebody who like with us, uh, yeah, some people who are there and they're struggling with codependency, a lot of people there with codependency. How can you measure that? And, you know, that's that goes to the individual personal you know, that's their preference and that's going to be how they judge that. You know I mean, there's really no way of putting that on paper to measure that. And that, that is a, uh, that's a, a problem for some people. Cause like with me, I've got to have that. Like I got to know, Hey, how am I going to measure this by? And with stuff, stuff like that, you don't have that. And that's just going to be up to you on your own journey. And that, that is a, a downside to it. Yes. So from that aspect of it, I'm going to assume like in our meetings, there's, you know, uh, keychains for for certain amounts of, you know, uh, achievement, I guess, in one sense. I'm, I'm going to assume there's not much of a focus on that type of thing in your program. Yes, you know, we, we do. Uh, what my group specifically does is every other week we have what we call chip night and we've got a celebrate recovery chips. And this is anywhere from. Uh, day one, all the way up to uh, 20 years, 30 years, whatever your sobriety date may be, but we've got chips to cover all of that. And uh, we're real heavy on having that accountability of that chip system and celebrating those milestones with people as they get those. But yeah, we're we're real big on having that, that chip night. Okay, so that's interesting. So uh, I'm going to, you mentioned SAA. Uh, is is CR's um, basis of what I, I guess abstinence or, or or healing is that based on something that like you and your sponsor or do you I guess first do you have sponsors in CR is that a thing Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> we wouldn't be much of a, a twelve step program without the sponsors. Yes. Gotcha. Awesome. So. <laughs> so is that based on like you go in and you say, hey, uh, I struggle with food or, 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 or PTSD or whatever it may be, and you and your sponsor work out what it takes to decide whether you're actively doing that or not. And so you can achieve these. Um, yeah. So these chips. and I, I do want to make this point. So you do not have to have a sponsor to get chips. Like, right. I mean, your first night at CR you can go up and get a chip. So you, you do not have to have a sponsor to get a chip. But yes, like you can either get in your small group because we have we have a large group where everybody, men and women meet. And then after the big meeting, we'll break off into small groups and it's gender specific and it's uh, topic specific. So mm -hmm. uh, substance abuse will meet in one group and you know A to Z will meet in another group. And it's all like that. But anyway, you get in that group and the group will either help you to kind of really zone in and get specific about those sobriety goals or yes, get a sponsor. He'll help kind of put, put on paper and narrow that down of, Hey, this is what your sobriety needs to look like. Okay. So there's no, no exact specific rules about that. That was interesting. We were curious about that. If people were allowed to 
uh, or not allowed to, but if, if the program allowed for people who decided that, you know, drug use was extremely harmful for their life, but maybe uh, alcohol was not their problem. Maybe they do, you know, participate so, in that. So suburb recovery is kind of that uh, for like leadership, you know, they don't want you to, you know, uh, be out there engaging in uh, out of marriage uh, sex or, or stuff like that it, it in leadership. But if you're just in there working the program, like with me, uh, alcohol is not my problem. Uh, you know, opiates, uh, marijuana, that's not my problem. My problem is, you know, pornography and sex. And so, you know, hey, I do every once in a while. I will have to sit down and have a have a beer, you know, with supper. Now, is it all is it addiction? No, because you know it may be once every six months, and that's the kind of I mean, if it's not your target area, then you know it's 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 uh it's kind of outside the main focus. I gotcha. That sounds kind of similar to we talked with a guy from Smart Recovery, and it was same idea. Like you work on the part that's the problem area for you. Yeah. Um, so curious, what about does does Celebrate Recovery itself have any stance on uh, medically assisted or is it medically assisted treatment or medicine assisted treatment? I always get that uh, confused. Yeah, MATs, yeah. basically. Does Celebrate Recovery have a stance on that at all? Like if people needed to take Suboxone or felt they needed to? That I do not know. Uh, gotcha. in, our, in our group personally, we have never had that come up. Uh, and so I really could not answer that one. Uh, that's something that uh, with suburb recovery, every state has what they call state level uh, representatives or state reps. And uh, if you're in a, you know, whatever your state may be, if you are dealing with that, you can reach out to one of those and you can ask and they'd be probably more than happy to, to answer that. But for us personally, we have never had that come up in our group. So I, I really could not tell you that. Gotcha, gotcha. Just curious, of course. Yeah. Uh, you got anything you wanted to ask? Not at the moment. Oh, okay. Um, so is there any, like we have some weird, funky rules, uh, I guess, regulations, not really rules or regulations, but just kind of practices we've done over time around, yeah. you know, whether that be crosstalk in our meetings, um, different qualifications. Do you have any of those kind of things going on? Is it is it more of an open yeah. format like Smart Recovery, or is it one at a time? So, so they've got, you know, like I said, our our meeting is a uh, is a little different. Like we have a a very large group meeting at the beginning, with the first you know hour of the meeting, everybody is together, and in that meeting we stress the importance of anonymity. Anonymity is number one. It is the, the top. Uh, it's probably what we take. Uh, the most precaution in is protecting everybody's anonymity. And then once we get done in the large group, we'll break off into those small groups and we have what we call small group guidelines. And that's just sitting there. That's these uh, guidelines that are in place to protect everybody in there. And uh, uh, they uh, there's five of them. And I actually had them right in front of me if you'd like for me to share those with you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Their number one is, hey, keep your sharing focused on your own thoughts and the feelings. And mm. uh, that's just, hey, you have some people that's in there dealing with codependency and they want to shift the blame on their spouse. You know, hey, I ain't got no problem. I'm here because of my wife. 
she she's the reason my problems. Uh, why are you here? What is right. your problem? You know, <laughs> let's focus on you. Right? You know, so we, we, we had that in there. Uh, number two is no crosstalk, and that I mean I think that's kind of uh, across all the twelve uh, step programs is that you know no crosstalk. You know that's two people engaging, uh, excluding all others. And number three, we are here to support one another. We will not attempt to fix one another. You know, mm-hmm. that's a big issue. Right? I'm not going to try and sit here and fix you in the middle of this meeting. I like that's that one. That, yeah. That's not why we're here. You know, that's not what we're here just to listen and to support. Uh, number four, anonymity and confidentiality are basic requirements. What is shared in the group stays in the group. And the only exception is when someone threatens to injure themselves or others. Mm. And then uh, number five, offensive language has no place in a Christ-centered recovery group. And uh, a lot of that is just, uh, for one, taking the Lord's name in vain. And then uh, number two, getting into graphic detail that may be a trigger for somebody else. I love number three because it's a great reminder for me not to listen, trying to fix everybody, because that's usually my goal when I'm hearing people. Not my goal, but where I end up. Um, so, uh, at, you know, with our men's group, that what we do is we have a little bit of a addition to that. I'm not going to try to fix you, but if I've been in a situation that you're currently in and I found a way out of it, with me sharing that, I don't feel like that's trying to fix you. I feel like that's just trying to help you avoid the same mistakes that I make. And so right. uh, with, now I, I cannot speak for every CR group out there, but with our group here, that's something that our men's group that we do. Uh, and, uh, that, you know, it's just, I, I'm not going to sit there and uh, watch a man struggle that's down in a pit that I found my own way out of. I, I'm just, I can't walk by him and leave him there. So Right, right. That's my thoughts on that. So the meeting is pretty tied to the church, which is very different from our, you know, program where we're very separate entities from the church. But I, from what I understand, uh, Billy was telling me that the Celebrate Recovery meetings are very entwined with the church that they participate in. So, yeah, like if I understand this correctly with Celebrate Recovery, the meeting has to take place at a church. Uh but while the meeting is taking place at a church, it itself is not church. The meeting right. is not church. Uh, it is recovery. Uh, but there are uh, church principles applied, like our the 12 steps and the we have eight principles. And those are taken straight out of the Bible. And they're from uh, the, uh, the Beatitudes. So you do have aspects from the program that are tied to church, but the meeting itself is not church. We're just taking place at a church. I gotcha. So uh, do you have to be a specific religion to qualify for CR? No. Uh, the, uh, I mean, we've got some people that are coming in that are atheists and they're really struggling with that. And they're, uh, they're, that's all one of their uh they're they're battling with that uh but then again though just know that in sober recovery our higher power is jesus christ so you know you may want to look at that or to consider that when you're thinking about sober recovery you know, if you're coming in from a outside religion standpoint 
and expecting something like a where your higher power is anything that you're wanting it to be that's not the case with celebrate recovery it is our higher power is jesus christ have you found any of the different whether it's like the way you do a certain step and celebrate recovery or maybe just a, a certain part of the program and and i don't know exactly how familiar you are with you know, more of the AANA concept, but have you found that any of them are specifically different? One of the things that came to mind and Billy corrected me, I, I was wondering like if for the fifth step that was automatically done in like confession as opposed to being done with a sponsor. But he, he reminded me that that's only like Catholics and somebody else that do confession, not all <laughs> Christians. So I'm obviously confused, but is there anything like that where you guys do a step specifically different or, or a part of your meeting specifically different? So, with our step five, though, uh, it is we admitted to God, ourself, and another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. And so we're big on confession. Like, we actually have one of our lessons in Sober Recovery is about confession. And, mm. uh, you know, because there's power in putting words to the, the things that we have done. When we put that in the open, you know, the shame kind of loses its power over it. And so, uh, but yeah, uh, our powerlessness uh number uh step number two we came to believe that there was a power greater than ourselves that could restore us to sanity you know you know that goes back directly to a our higher power is jesus christ uh, that step number three we made a decision to turn our lives and our wills over to the care of god so i mean there's some things that are a little familiar with aa but we just directly apply them to you know Jesus Christ. I was actually surprised that the steps didn't specifically mention uh, Jesus' name in them. I, I guess I, I've never looked at them before, and I just always assumed since we had these generic terms for God or higher power that you guys would have like jumped on the ball and threw Jesus right in there. And I was like shocked that it wasn't that way. <laughs> well, you know, uh, with the Christian faith, uh, you know, we believe that God jesus and the holy spirit are all one in the same and so you know you'll see a lot where it references god and you'll see where it references jesus but in all in all it's still talking about the, the same right so, so but yeah a lot of the steps do just refer to that you know as god so one of the things I found interesting, like, uh, you know, we as a member of N.A., whatever I say it all the time, I would not ask a member of A.A. to come share an N.A. meeting. Right. Because the theory is you get somebody who's worked that specific program to explain that specific program. Yes. And I believe, at least around here, we've had times where we've heard people that have been, you know, have worked in NA programs, you know, but been asked to come share a Celebrate Recovery meeting. And that's always kind of blown my mind. I was like, wow, that's surprising. Is that okay? Like, how does that work? Yeah. Uh, uh, with us, we're very strict on sharing. Uh, we, you, we don't usually let anybody outside of CR come share testimony. Uh, now, we have like kind of uh, how our year is set up where we'll have like one extra meeting night where we don't have anything scheduled and we can kind of have, you know, whatever we want to. But as far as the run of the mill through the rest of the year, it's pretty much a tight sharing uh, testimony of people in subway recovery. Uh, I've never attended one where there was somebody from outside sharing. That, that's kind of unusual. <laughs> Maybe that was just something like they didn't have a whole lot of, uh, 
senior members in this area. And so they got a, a somebody who was Christian to come in and, and share. I don't know. Well, and that's like uh, in January, we're for our group, we're having a lady come from off the coast, uh, Mississippi. She works at a women's treatment facility. And I do not believe she is a part of Celebrate Recovery. I believe her program of choice was, I, I really can't remember this time, but it, it was not Celebrate Recovery. But she's going to be coming in and she's going to be sharing her testimony for our kind of bonus knot. Um, right. But and that, that's usually about the only exception. Uh, so, so he's kind of, and I'll just share it. It was, so my wife, she's, we met through 12 step fellowship and now she's, she's a Christian and she's been asked to speak a couple of times. So I've been to a couple of celebrate recovery meetings um, and it's always been very welcoming and, and she's really good. She's, she's good with her language. Like she doesn't specifically kind of throw in yeah. a bunch of NA stuff at a celebrate recovery meeting. She's respectful yeah. of, you know, Jesus and traditions and things like that. Um, so our experience there has always been pretty uh, open and, and welcoming and, you know, you have the meal and stuff afterwards. So it's, we've really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. I guess I would wonder, so like in a traditional 12 step fellowship, you might go to meetings like at different places or at different nights of the week. And they're kind of follow like a general similarity or format um, with celebrate recovery. Like would that be the same kind of thing? Like could you go to a different meeting on a Tuesday or a different church meeting on a Wednesday or you kind of set like your home church or your home meeting? So with like how, how most of the ones in our area do is we have a set meeting each week. Uh, we do Monday nights, and uh, at the, right now we're not doing a meal. <coughs> uh, but before all this, we you know, we would have a meal. The COVID. Uh, but you know, yeah, it, it was set Monday nights. Hey, this is this is our night that we're doing it each and every week. Monday night, you can set your calendar by it. This time next year, Monday night, this is our meeting. Uh, but like we have several suburb recoveries in this area. And so you'll have, like our church, ours is Monday nights. You have another church, theirs is doing on Wednesday nights. And then there's another one on Friday nights. So you can go each week or you know each night and go to a different celebrate recovery meeting. And you're not stepping on another meeting. Then you're not going to miss this meeting. You can still attend your home group meeting and then get to another meeting. Hmm. Is that what you're asking, Bill? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yep. So how, in this area, I think... I'm going to guess I've only, like say, I've only been to a few meetings, celebrate recoveries fairly small, at least the meetings I've been to or probably aren't less than a dozen people. Um, the couple of times that I've been, and I think in Cecil County, small County we're in, there's, I think one night a week, maybe two nights a week there celebrate recovery meetings. And then you have to kind of travel a little bit to the next County over. Um, how big generally are the meetings in your area? And so, uh, it's, Fairly small meeting sizes. Uh, at one point in time, our church, we were running about 80 to 90 a week. Uh, and then we had some things kind of happen and had some uh, turnover and we lost a lot of people. Average right now, we're running about 30. Uh, I went and I shared with a group two weeks ago over in Birmingham, Alabama, and their average is 320 or wow. 350. There's is one of the biggest in the area, and uh, you usually don't see them that large. <laughs> so the the average is about 30, 50, and you 
Now, I went and traveled up to a group in North Carolina, and theirs was about 15 to 20. So yeah. it, there's a, it's a, it is a low number average. Yeah. Do you think that has something to do with the, the area you're in? And, like, uh, you know, I guess it's understood that the Bible Belt, the, the South, you know, their beliefs in, in Christianity and their strong held beliefs more so than maybe some other areas in the U.S. Do you think that's why those meetings are so big down there? Uh, yes, uh, but also at the same time, uh, there's a lot of stigma around going and doing recovery at church. And so a lot of people stay away. Hmm. Uh, there are, we have big number AA meetings down here. You know, they're, they're pretty large. Um, but yes, to get back to what you're saying, I do believe just this area in general has something to do with contributing to those, those numbers because this is the Bible Belt. Uh, it, it's, um, it's kind of a, a different perspective than other areas of the country. Um, so I, I do, I haven't really never thought of it that way until you right. just mentioned that. And so now that I'm actually thinking about it, yeah, I, I think it'd be a safe say to say that that's probably got something to do with it. Yeah. So this is uh, we're, we're going to talk right now, you and I, to the individual who's out there, they're getting ready to get in recovery. They do happen to be a Christian, like that's their belief system. And they're sitting here and they're looking at the programs available and they say, well, look, I could go to this other 12 step fellowship where I'm a, I'm still allowed to believe in, you know, Christian values. I can believe in that in NA or SAA or any A. I can go there and decide that Jesus is my Lord and Savior and my higher power. You know, uh, why do you say that Celebrate Recovery might be a little different? And in, and in your opinion, which is fine, because we, you know, we're all allowed that better for somebody who's Christian as opposed to just going to a, any other fellowship and being Christian? What does CR have to offer that might suit them better than just being in a, a program yeah. of all types? So number one is you're getting that fellowship with other people in CR that are also Christian. Hmm. Uh, you know, I cannot speak for NA or A because I, I have no experience in those. Uh, but I do know there's a lot of people in those programs that are not Christian. And so if you go to those programs, I mean, and there's nothing wrong with it, I, you know, to be there in a meeting with uh, non-Christians. That way, hey, we all have done it. Uh, but that is a pro of going to a sober recovery. You know, when you walk in the door, you're amongst other Christians. Uh, the other aspect, and this is the one that I really love about sober recovery, is the fact of I'm going in there and the program is open to everything. Uh, when I go to AA, well, that's pretty specific to alcoholics. When I go to Celebrate Recovery, like we talked about earlier, it is a wide range because y'all can attest to this. When you go in and you start working that program and you start working on the problems with you, whether it be alcohol, substance abuse, porn addiction, when you start working on that uh, overlying problem and you start chipping away at it there's other problems up underneath and where i'm getting at with this is when i started doing it and working on my porn addiction and started doing my inventory and working that steps in that i started realizing man i've got a lot of anger up under this mm. man i've got a lot of anxiety up under this celebrate recovery works on those problems as well as the pornography and the alcohol and the substance abuse so 
that's the main reason why I would urge you, hey, try silver recovery because it's not just one specific. It's got a big openness for life's hurts, habits, and hangups. I like it. Do you have okay. anything? No. All right. Awesome. Josh, I know you want to get to helping your wife get them kids ready for church and everything. I don't want to hold you up or make the missus uh, upset with us. But uh, super appreciative that you came on today, my friend. Again, Josh is from the Unashamed Recovery Podcast. Go ahead and check that out. Feel free. And uh, it was great talking to you, my friend. Anytime, guys. Anytime. Uh, Anytime you want me to come back, I'd love to. It's always a pleasure to kind of talk. With, a, with another recovery podcast. <laughs> yeah, man, it was well, fun talking it. to you. We'll see you again soon. Have fun this week, all right? Have a good day. Y'all too. So that was a great conversation with Josh. Uh, there was, you know, a lot more I would have liked to ask a little bit. I know he was a little crunch for time with Sunday mornings being a, a valuable time in the life of a, a Christian family. Um, definitely curious about a few things. Maybe we'll have to have him on again at some point to ask more about, like, what you know celebrate recovery says the initial problem is that leads to their their hurts and hang-ups yeah um, and and i have a problem and i've gotten better with it over the years as as most i guess addicts um since i'm not overly religious i get strongly opinionated and i want to start challenging like the beliefs in jesus and how that helps in recovery and all that stuff but I've grown to treat it almost like medicated assisted treatment and to understand like, look, <laughs> wow, that's probably more offensive than any of your challenging. Yeah. Oh, uh, probably. Well, your program's like MAT. No, no, but. I don't mean it that way. <laughs> I mean, my thinking of it is similar in that it works for some people or it's good for some people, but it's not something that is good for me or it's mm. not something that I need or that's a part of my story. And instead of me needing to be self-righteous and think that my way is the only way or the way that I did it is the best way or that these other ways are stupid, it's easy to just say, you know what, I don't believe that. I don't necessarily agree with that. But I don't have to argue with the guy and make him feel bad about his, you know, not that he would feel bad about his beliefs, but I don't have to, like, challenge his beliefs and make him prove something to me. You know, he doesn't need to prove anything to me. Yeah, I, I mean, I was definitely curious, you know, we talk about, oh, I mean, our program specifically doesn't really talk about exactly where our belief of addiction comes from or what necessarily it is. We just talk about, you know, what to do about it once we get to the, the bitter ends. But I, I'm curious if Celebrate Recovery has a stance on what is the initial problem that causes these, you know, hang-ups, habits, uh, I can't remember the damn things. I love them, though. The hurts, three H's. Hurts, hang-ups, hang-ups and habits. Yeah. Um, and, you know, how do you, do you fix it with more Jesus? Like, I, yeah. I don't I don't know, right? But yeah. I, I think the answers to our problems in programs usually, you know, relate to what we say the problem is to begin with. And so I was curious about that. And, of course, the, the minor questions of, like, court slips and all kinds of other stuff. So maybe... At some point, we'll have to do a follow-up to this and, and ask some more questions. There's definitely curiosity. I, I found it fascinating, though. I mean, it's always interesting to learn about some other stuff and how they do it just a little different. And 350 people in a yeah, meeting. Can you imagine? Crazy. Well, I've been to some NA meetings that are that big yeah. out on the West Coast. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's just a lot. Oh, I couldn't do it. We, I mean, we were in meetings in L.A. and stuff that were hundreds of people, and you it didn't even feel like a meeting like there was so much going on right and there was people you know playing cards in the corner and you know like during a meeting and a guy's speaking and there's 
conversation. I mean, it was crazy. It was like I could never That's wild. see how people recover in those areas. And then you go to a group and there's like four guys sitting there chatting <laughs> right. about life. It's interesting. Right. Uh, so, of course, you know, we got the 10th the step coming up next week. It'll be October already. Uh, and so that should be a five-minute episode uh, all about, you know... <laughs> the 10th step hey look at yourself every day all right we're done maybe we don't even have to record now we just said it we're all done well uh, we always think that about every step and then we find a way to drag it on way longer than oh, probably it yeah. needs to be yeah we'll <laughs> say it's a five minute episode and we'll go an hour and 45 minutes right. for no good it'll reason. be the longest one yet <laughs> it'll be the two and a half hour uh october special <laughs> halloween special um find out we disagree about some minutiae detail it doesn't even matter <laughs> absolutely i can't wait uh so just just to mention in, in closing here, um, I did make the decision this week to start an antidepressant again in my life. Um, it's a decision I made once before. Or, well, actually, I've made it a few times. Um, but the last time had a great impact, a great improvement in my well-being and my life functioning. Uh, it was much easier to make the choice then because I was desperate. Like, I was, <laughs> I was trying all this other shit and it didn't work. And... Uh, so it was like, well, fuck it. I'm out of options. I'll, I'll try anything at this point, so I'll do it. And it had a huge impact on my life. I, I you know, don't want to give it power or anything, but it, it really did transform some parts of my life and, and allow me to get to a place that I was pretty happy in. And so this time, being in a place where generally my life is pretty good, and, and I am pretty happy, which sounds weird. Why would you take an antidepressant if you are pretty happy, right? Well, because depression's not always, we've mentioned this in our episode about depression, it's not always just being sad. You know, it's not being interested in things that used to bring you joy, and it's different sleeping or eating patterns, and uh, just feeling like there's something missing um, in, in what I'm doing, and I haven't been able to put my finger on it, and so... You know, in working with a professional, they, they were like, look, you, you, you do realize you can just try this, right? Like, and if it doesn't work, you cannot do it. And uh, and so I'm not trying to, you know, make a big deal about antidepressants, but I know that there's always this piece of me as a member of a 12-step program that for whatever reason, even if nobody else says it, feels a little less than if I have to take an antidepressant, right? There's like, oh, you can't do it with just the steps. You, you know, you got it. You need this other extra thing or you're, you're cheating or I don't know what the fuck it is. And so I just thought it was important to mention that, uh, you know, hopefully somebody else doesn't have to feel as awkward because I say I do it. Yeah. Well, and thank you for sharing that. You know, we do have that as much as we act like we don't, there's always that stigma around just in general, mental health stuff and and you know counseling and i was thinking the same thing why when you you know when we first talked about it it's like nothing is forever you know it's right. it's a thing you try it you see how it works if it helps great if it doesn't then you tried you know right. <laughs> if nothing else i learned that it didn't work yeah right? Right. and that i need to move on to some other idea like i thought about it for three and a half months like, should I do this again? Is this going to be helpful? And so I, I spent three and a half months where I could have tried it and now already know if it worked or not and be moving on to the next <laughs> right. idea. I spent that just considering whether I should start this, right. right? And so I... And now here comes my sarcasm, and I'll say, maybe you just need Jesus. Ah, there it is. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, listen, I went to leave my house today, and it took me two minutes of standing there looking at the wall to decide whether I should bring my sunglasses from the house for the ride here and home. Hmm. When I have a pair of sunglasses in the car as a backup anyway, 
<laughs> and I couldn't decide whether I really wanted to carry them or how much I would use them. Two minutes of this. Dude, if Jesus could fix me of that, I would like take it already. Like, well, he did. It's cloudy out. He didn't even need sunglasses. <laughs> but it might not have been later, right? Yeah. I don't It's like, God damn, anything to, to yeah. help. No, but I, I do. I talk about stigma, and I say we need to get rid of it. And then here I am, still a guy who believes that and still, like you said, still feels a little of that stigma. And... You know, in my internship last year as a practicing therapist, recommending to clients, like, hey, no, there's nothing wrong with this. Go ahead and do it. And then here I am struggling to, to make the, the decision, right? Um, and and so, one of the principles we talk about in, in recovery is open-mindedness, hmm. you know. And it, we get into beliefs or, or things that work for us for a while, and then they don't, you know. Right. And, and I can stay rigid and close-minded and stuck in old ideas or i can open my mind to new things or maybe the possibility of something besides the thoughts that i think are right you know and that's that's an important premise of my recovery throughout my you know journey has been being open-minded to when what i believe or what i think or what i'm doing right now isn't working anymore and then what am i willing to do differently right and so with all that out of the way, as we say uh, in certain places, I guess we're done for this week, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. If you enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to share it with people you think might benefit from the conversation. Look us up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to join the conversation also and share your ideas with us. We'd love to hear it.